Uh, last week, we started our new series called Freedom, and uh, in that freedom, we're looking at four words, identity, uh, intimacy, integrity, and impact. And so if you uh, missed last week, we're not able to see that or be part of that, I encourage you to go watch it. We have it on our YouTube channel. We also have it on our podcast so you can listen to it however you would like to do that. Um, Really, uh, these four words come out of a phrase that I'm going to read for us, and, uh, and really what this phrase for me means, it means freedom. And this phrase is one that, that I can't take credit for. I got it from a, friend, a pastor friend of mine who got it from a pastor friend of his who, I don't know if he's the one that, that came up with it or if he stole it from some. I mean borrowed it from someone else as well. So, uh, but I just want to read this, and, and this is, we'll be going back to this each week, and it says, as we embrace our identity in Christ, we grow in intimacy with our Father, which leads us to walk in integrity through the Holy Spirit, allowing impact for the kingdom of God. And as you see these four words that start with the letter I, um, these are the focuses and these are the ones that we have here that we want to take time and look at uh, over the course of the next couple months. And we're going to spend uh, two weeks on each of these. And I'll tell you, you could easily spend four or more. I mean, even just this week as I've been studying identity and thinking about what identity is going to be, what we're going to share this week, today, and next week, I'm like, oh, there's not enough time. There's not, <laughs> I, we could easily go. Uh, but this is what I feel like the Holy Spirit's saying to do. And so, uh, and, and when I read this phrase, for me, it really is about our freedom as followers of Jesus. It's about our freedom. And so just a, a couple scriptures. I read this one last week. Um, John chapter 8, um, verses 31 through 36 says to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus speaking, he said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Uh, we, we hear that phrase a lot and it's usually out of context because the reality is if you hold to my teachings, that, that's what it's talking about. Um, they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone how can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I mentioned last week, I'd read that one last week, but I mentioned that Paul talks about it in Romans and in Corinthians and Galatians. And just look at a couple of those today. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And then 2 Corinthians 3.17, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And then last, Galatians 5 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And so really all of this, all of these things, is about our freedom, freedom in Christ. And, do, and how well do we... Um, walk in that freedom? How well do we walk in that freedom? How well do we understand that freedom? And, and I just want to say, all of us are at different places. Uh, all of us are at different places. Some of us have known Jesus for a long time, but just because we've known Jesus for a long time doesn't necessarily mean we're maturing in our walk in Jesus. That's just a reality. Some of us have known Jesus for a long time and are in maturing in our walk. Some people have known Jesus for a short period of time, but have just dived all in 
and are maturing quickly. Some are saying, hey, I'm really new to this and still trying to figure this out. Figure this out. And so my hope for this series, I, I really get excited about our freedom in Christ because I don't know, from what I see in the American church, I don't always see that we fully grasp our freedom in Christ. Because the enemy just keeps beating us down and we keep believing those things instead of claiming our identity and reality of who we are in Jesus. So this week we're going to look at identity in Christ. And it's really this week and next week we're going to be talking about identity. And so I looked up identity on dictionary.com and this is the first three definitions. The state or fact of remaining the same one or ones as under varying aspects or conditions. Okay, so regardless of circumstances and the things that are going on, the subject remains the same. That is identity. That it's a, you can, you can um, understand the identity of what that object or person is regardless of the circumstances. The condition of being oneself or itself and not another. So just the fact that you're not that or them or they, you are you, that is your identity. It's different than those around you, okay? Uh, the third one is condition or character as to who a person or what a thing is. So it's basically those characteristics that make you, you. Things identify us, right? Things identify us, right? So if I said someone walked in to this room and they were wearing a bow tie, who would you automatically think I was talking about? Chris, exactly. If I said someone was up on the worship stage, on the worship platform, and they were singing in flip-flops, Darren, you started it. <laughs> so uh, we think of Darren. There are things that just identify us, things that just go with us, and regardless of the circumstances, we see them, hear them, when we, we, it makes us think of different people. And so our identity is a real thing. In both my ministry classes and the counseling classes that I took, I, was, I minored in counseling, we looked at various personality types and, and tests, and I've always enjoyed them. Uh, I, they're, they're fascinating to me. And even as I work with people, um, not that I'm trying to put them into a box and say, oh, this is their personality, but I love just watching and paying attention to what, those, what different people, how they respond to things and, and realize that every personality responds differently to every situation. I mean, it's just how it is. And it's important for us to remember that because I'm going to see things differently just because my personality is different. There's other factors. We'll talk about those, but that's a big factor. So one of my favorite ones is a, it's an older one. It's called DISC, D-I-S-C, and it's pretty simple to, to break it down. Uh, you have extroverted and introverted. You have work uh, task-oriented, and then you have people-oriented, okay? And so if you're a D, you are a extroverted task-oriented person. If you're an I, you're an extroverted, people-oriented person. If you're an S, you're an introverted, people-oriented person. And if you're a C, you're an introverted, task-oriented person. And so, uh, you know, and I can usually tell real quick, okay, this person seems to be an extrovert, introvert. Yeah, I can tell. Okay, this person seems to be more task than person. And so there's a, a lot of qualities that pretty quick you can figure out about people. Okay. I'm extroverted. Anyone, is that a surprise to anyone? Okay. I'm extroverted. Okay. Um, when I take that test, depending on the situation in which I take that test, sometimes I come out as, as task oriented and sometimes I come out as people oriented. It just depends on the mindset that I have. And I think, I actually think I'm more task oriented than people oriented. And I think just my moving around and my upbringing has forced me to be more people oriented. 
so I tasked myself to get to know people. Um, didn't come across that way. I, I, I'm pretty sure that's probably how I am. My wife, on the other hand, is an introvert, and uh, she is task-oriented, you know, and so she's learned to love people um, because she, it's just much, she'd rather just be doing a task and all by herself. Let her, leave her alone, let her get it done. Other types, you have the whole phlegmatic, sanguine. Those are the only two I can ever remember. Um, you have the animal types, you know, you might be a bear or a, a lion or a dog. What kind of dog? Retriever, yep, that's it. Um, uh, there's the, the Enneagram has become a new one and it's based on numbers and stuff and then you have a side number and they're real interesting. Uh, there's also Myers-Briggs. Myers-Briggs been ar around a while. They break it down into 16 different personalities and they have eight unique letter combinations that go together. So my, mine for that is ENTP. Uh, ENTP. And then there's, so there's those four letters and then there's four opposite letters that that you can mix in, okay? And so some people have the same letters. Uh, Jessica and I, out of eight letters, we both have four letters each to ourselves. Um, we are completely opposite. Uh, I have ENTP, she has ISFJ, and those all mean things, okay? Um, if you look it up, it's pretty interesting. The first time I read, took the test, I was ENTP, and then read the description, I'm like, how'd they do that? How'd they know? It was pretty incredible. Um, then someone took the whole Myers-Briggs thing and said, hey, this would be fun. Let's set this, uh, each personality to uh, Star Wars characters. Um, and so they took 16 Star Wars characters and decided what their um, personalities were. They, they did it with um, Lord of the Rings, and they did it with uh, Harry Potter as well. So, but I like Star Wars better than any of those. So, so according to that, uh, I'm R2-D2. <laughs> I am short, so I'm R2-D2. Um, and Jessica is C-3PO, so, um, you know, we go together, and that's just how it works. So they're a pretty good team, so I, I think we're the same. She actually doesn't like that she's C-3PO, according to that. She says no. But um, personality is the only thing that re reveals our identity, um, our likes and our dislikes, and those actually come a lot of times from our upbringing. Um, but even with our upbringing, you have siblings that like and dislike different things, you know, so we have our tastes and, and we can be identified by our likes and up, um, dislikes. Our actions are non-actions. What do I mean by that? I said, you know, whether you enjoy sports or a particular sport, whether you enjoy the arts or particular artistic things, you know, those things can identify us. Um, the choices we make can sometimes identify us, whether good or bad choices, um, but they can often identify us. Our families identify us. You know, um, I'll meet someone in town or I'll meet someone from the school, someone that's been around for a while, and they'll ask who my wife is, and I'll say, you know, I'll say, well, who's she? And then uh, uh, eventually I end up saying, well, she was Jessica Venna. And then they're like, oh, well, then people know instantly, oh, because her dad was a professor at the college for so long, and people just recognize it. Now if I'm at the college and I say that, they're like, wait a minute, like Dr. Venna? And they know, she's Chris's brother, and I'm like, or sister? And I'm like, yes. And so, you know, so our family, we're identified by our families. Uh, we're identified by our friends. Uh, we're also identified a lot of times by past events in our lives. And again, just like our choices, sometimes good, sometimes bad. And so my question for you today is what identifies you? What identifies you? What is something that if someone were to say something would make them think about you? What are those things? Scripture speaks about our identity. One of my favorite chapters is Psalm 139, and it tells us that everyone was created by God. 
everyone. Every person is his creation. Every person. Even that person that you were driving or that went flying by you in the car or made that turn or whatever it was that they did that you're like, what in the world's wrong with that person? The person was made by God. And, and, and Psalm 139 actually says that every person is fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, that doesn't mean that God was scared to make them, although some of us, uh, anyway, um, it, it means purposefully. We're purposefully and wonderfully made. Every single one of us, every single person out there, if you haven't been told that in a while, listen right now, that God purposefully and wonderfully made you to be you. If he wanted you to be someone else, he would have made you someone else. But he didn't. He made you just as you are purposely and wonderfully. We don't often celebrate that, do we? Because we tend to look at our flaws and we tend to look at the things we don't do right. Or we see someone else and their great things. That's the sad thing to me about Social media sometimes as we see all the good and I'm like, well, I, I want to be like that person. Nope, God made you purposefully and wonderfully. Every person, every person he made that way. The problem is that sin in the world corrupts and steals our God-made identity. When we were made, he made us exactly how he wanted us to be. He put us together. I learned this morning from one of my elders that, you know, we have our thumbprints, fingerprints. Everyone's is different, right? Everyone's is different. Even our teeth, our jaw, however they do that, our dental records, everything's different. Apparently, all of us have our own tongue print, too. I don't know how he figured this out or why someone would figure this out. To me, the tongue's pretty disgusting. Um, but apparently, we have our own tongue print, as well. You, you think a God that would create every person with all of those different characteristics, I mean, every, I mean, how purposefully and wonderfully each of us are made? And then the world comes along and sin comes along and it steals and corrupts that God-made identity. When we become a follower of Jesus, Scripture tells us that our identity changes. And really what it does is it kicks us back to that original, purposefully, wonderfully made person that God made. That's what it does. That's what it does. And so there's three specific areas that I want to talk about today in our identity to Christ. And that is this. In Christ, we are forgiven. In Christ, we are a new creation. And in Christ, we are God's children. And, and maybe you've heard this before and say, well, I know these things. But are we walking and living that fully in our lives? And maybe say, hey, I'm, I'm good, but there's something here. Or, or maybe you're struggling with all of this and you're like, I don't even know who I am. Or, or how come the things that I feel like I am don't line up with God's word? And how do I how do, I do that? And, and, and it, we just got to, I just want to encourage us to be able to listen and ask the Holy Spirit, God, what do I need to know? Maybe you're hearing this because someone's in your life that needs to be reminded of this. And this is just something that you can grab onto to say, hey, how can I help spur someone on in their walk with Jesus? So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to dive into these three things and try to kind of go quickly. Father, we thank you that you have wonderfully, purposefully made each of us to be who we are. Holy Spirit, work in our hearts and our mind and reveal to us 
who you desire for us to be. And then help us to believe you and walk in that identity, in you, in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. So in Christ we are forgiven. In, in Christ we are forgiven. We need to learn to embrace our forgiveness as part of our Christian identity. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. There we go. If we confess, he will forgive. Hebrews 10, one of my favorite chapters, chapter 10 in Hebrews, verses 10 and 14, and it says, and by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. How many times? Once for all. That's it. One time, that's it. Once for all. Verse 14, for by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Who are those being made holy? Us, the ones that have called on him, the ones that have been set apart. We are being made holy. And we are being made holy. We have been made what? Perfect forever. We are being made perfect forever. Anyone want to say that? I'm, 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 I'm been made perfect no, because we live right here, right? And we're like, wait, well, I haven't. But this is how God sees us. Well, in Christ, in Christ, not on our own, not of ourselves, in Christ, we are made perfect forever. You want to walk in that? Can we walk in that? Can we live that out? What does that look like? In Christ, we are forgiven. Um, I, I, I've talked to the, about this before. I've said this before. Um, here's the reality. We are no longer sinners then if we are made perfect forever. Instead, we are redeemed, reconciled, justified, forgiven. Is that the language we use for ourselves? Or do we continue to go back saying, oh, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. Or do we walk in, I'm redeemed. I'm reconciled. I'm justified. I'm forgiven. Not because of me. In Christ, I'm these things. We're forgiven of all of our past, present, and future sins in Christ. Now, Paul talks about Romans 7. In Romans 7, why do I do what I don't want to do? It's the sin in me that does that. I'm in Christ. That doesn't mean we still don't have to repent. We still have to repent at times because of that sin that is in us. And so I'm going to say this. Uh, we had an elder prayer the other night, Thursday night. We met. We had some elder prayer time, and we prayed for the church. We prayed for people. We prayed for each other. Uh, and even in that, and I even did it. I even did it. There was a subject that came up in my mind that I prayed for, and I said, Father, forgive us, forgive me for this. I said that. And I was quickly, the Holy Spirit, like, just, po just poked me. What was my, is my first forgiveness not good enough? Did my forgiveness not cover these things? And in that moment, I realized that what I shouldn't be saying, it's not God. God, God has forgiven me of my sins, but I still have to say, Father, I repent for these things. That's what I should have said in this specific matter. I shouldn't have said, Father, forgive me. He's forgiven me. I should have said, Father, I repent because now whose fault is it? Mine, it's not his. He's forgiven. But I have to repent. 
It's good for us to confess our sins. It's good for us to repent. But we also have to then walk and realize that he, God, has forgiven. Do we embrace our forgiveness and walk in that? Satan wants to do all he can to drag us down by our sin and keep us in shame. I don't know who said this, but a pastor friend of mine tweeted it. I don't know what the original quote was, but this is what the tweet said. It said, guilt that leads to shame is from the enemy. Because God wants to reconcile us. God wants to redeem us. He goes on to say, conviction that leads to repentance is from the Holy Spirit. If you've done something, if sin has popped up in your life, and there's guilt from that and it leads to shame, that's not from God. God does not want to shame us. He loves us. He just wants to forgive us. He sends conviction our way so that we will repent. And that repentance is through the Holy Spirit. Are you stuck in shame? If you're stuck in shame, that is from the enemy. I would encourage you to surrender that shame to Jesus. I don't know what might be causing your shame. I don't know what, maybe you need to talk to someone about that. Maybe it's something that happened to you. Maybe you feel unworthy because of something. I don't know. But that's not how God wants you to live. He does not want you to live in that shame. That shame is from the enemy. God wants to redeem you, reconcile you, lift you up. He wants us to repent and move forward because we're forgiven. In Christ, we are forgiven. Second thing, in Christ, you are a new creation. Christ, you are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That is who we are. Our new self is created to be like God in righteousness and holiness. Is that how we see ourselves? That's how God sees us in Christ. Are you allowing Scripture and the Holy Spirit to recreate you? That's exciting for us. Or do we tend to stay down in that belief of Satan when, and the enemy wanting to knock us down? To me, this is both positional sanctification and progressive. We've been set apart. We have been made holy. We are being made holy. We are a new creation. You are new. We are continuing to be made new. Whether you've been a believer for four months or 40 years, you have been made new. You are being made new. You are not like that Christmas present that you got when you were 10 that you played with for two and a half weeks and then forgot about or broke. Or maybe I should say that new outfit that you wore too many times the first month you owned it and now it's in the back of your closet. We are made new and we are being made new. Is our faith in Christ exciting and new? That's what we get to have. If we are in Scripture, if we are abiding in the Holy Spirit, then we are continually being made new. We are a new creation. Do we, do we walk in that? My junior year of high school... I took accounting, um, and I really liked it. It was before computers, so it was all spreadsheets. Um, my final project, I was off by 10 cents. Uh, that was days of misery. 
combing over numbers. When you closed my eyes, I saw the spreadsheets, you know, because uh, I'd looked at them so much and thankful that I finally found it. But uh, during the fall of that year, I was playing soccer and we had a soccer tournament and we went to the soccer tournament and for some reason, something came over me and I did all my homework before we went to the soccer tournament. Amazing. Uh, a couple of my friends did not do that. They came to the soccer tournament with their homework and somewhere during the time, it came out that I had already done my work and they hadn't done theirs. So, you know, it's all numbers, right? Everyone should be coming up with the same numbers, right? So, they copied my homework. We get back to school. We called into the principal's office. And they want to know how come we copied homework. And we're like, well, how did you know we copied homework. Well, because whoever's homework was copied, um, you did the wrong assignment. <laughs> so you know how they do that. Teachers will say, hey, do one through five and then do number eight and 12 and 17. Okay. Well, apparently one through five, eight, 12 and 19 were done instead. And so all three of us turned in the same thing. And she said, and then the teacher says, and so Brian, I just want to know how come you let them copy your homework? And I'm like, whoa, wait, wait a minute. How'd you know it was me? It could have been them. She goes, well, it was kind of easy. Um, Ron does A work and the other Brian does C work and you do B work. And it was just obvious that this was your work because you're a B student. Oh, now, wait a minute. I'm like, I am what? <laughs> well, you're a B student, which... I had to be in the class at the time. I'm like, okay, that is not the identity I want. I want a new identity. I am going to get A's from now on the rest of the year in this class. And this was only fall. We were only about a month into school. And that's what I did. I got A's the rest of the year because I'm like, you are not going to call me a B student. <laughs> no. And so I walked in that new, I said, that's it. I got to change my identity and I got to walk in this new identity. And I did. And I finished that whole year and got an A in that class. Um, it was still kind of fun. We got in trouble. Uh, I said, I'm going to be new. Do we walk in that? It's a choice. It's something we choose to do and to stay in. Because God has given that to us and we get to walk in that. Third one is this. In Christ, we are God's children. We are God's, ch we are God's children. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the time had set had, had fully come. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. We're his children. We're his children. Hebrews chapter two says this. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. This is talking about Jesus and how he was the perfect sacrifice for us. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are the same family. We are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. We are his kids. We are his children. What do my kids have access to? My home, my stuff, 
My kids can come in and do things in my house that I won't let anyone else do. Why? Because they're my kids. We, we can go in and we can, we are in God's family. We have access and can do things that the rest of the world can't because we are his kids. Now we want to help invite them into that access because that access is so amazing. My kids have access. God gives us, I love my kids. I'll do anything for my kids. I, I, I want to do all I can to make them happy. I still have to teach them things along the way and so they may not always think, well, this isn't happy. God still has to teach us things and we have to learn and we might be like, well, this isn't happy. Isabel the other day, she's like, well, this isn't fair. And I said, well, fair. This is how I did it for the brothers. You want me to do it fair? I'll do it like this for you too. Okay, well, never mind. In this situation, it doesn't have to be fair. I want to go back to what we said, what I said about sinners. We, we, we so often hold on to, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. No, I, we are redeemed. Colby's sitting here right now, so I'm going to talk about him. What if I came out and told Colby he was adopted? Colby, you're not, okay? I've got pictures of myself when I was 20, very similar, okay. But what if I were to tell Colby that he was adopted and actually told him what his original family name is? You're not adopted. It's still Rockwell, okay? It's, you're real, okay? Anyway, what if I were to do that? Colby's adopted. And Colby, for some reason, came along after taking our last name and being part of our family, then said, hey, Dad, I want to go back to my old name. I want to go back to my old name. I don't want to be this family anymore. I, I want to go back. I, I just want to, I want to be Colby Smith. I don't know why you'd choose Smith, but Smith. Rockwell. I like our last name. Anyway, how would that make me feel? What if one of your kids says, you know, I don't want to be in this family anymore. I want to take on a different last name. What do we do to our Father in heaven when we come to him and say, I'm, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner? He's like, wait a minute. No, what have I done for you? What have I done for you? This is who you get to be in me. He wants us to walk in that freedom. He wants to walk in that forgiveness. He, he gives us things as his kids because he wants to give us those things. Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give gifts to those who ask him? Other version says we'll give the Holy Spirit, which I'll take the Holy Spirit in me every day. Every day. God wants, God has, we are his kids. He gives us access. He wants us to be bold. He wants us to ask. That's what we get to do. We keep throwing back, oh, but I'm a sinner. We gotta let go of that. We get to let go of that. We get to walk in him. So again, I don't know where you're at today, but I wanna encourage you to embrace your identity. I'm, I'm gonna say this. It, it, it could be, it, 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 it. it's hard to do by yourself. It's hard to do by ourselves. We need each other. God created us to be together. 
And so I'm going to say this. If you're struggling with shame, if you're struggling with the idea of forgiveness, if you're, if you're having a hard time confessing, repenting, get with someone. I, I love our discipling communities because our discipling communities are meant to do life together. And those are incredible places to be able to sit down and say, I'm dealing with shame. I'm dealing with, I can't forgive myself for this, or I can't forgive so-and-so for this. I, I need to be able to do this. I can't repent from this. I want to. That's, that's what our discipling communities are meant to do, to do life together and help walk each other through those times. And so if you're not part of a discipling community, I encourage you to be part of one. And if you need help with that, please talk to me. Talk to Pastor Luke. We want to help you get into one of those communities. They're vital. They're vital. We are made to do this walk together. Do you understand that you're a new creation? That the, apart, the old ways are gone? Now we're new? That we're God's children? And do we recognize that we have access to his family? I'm going to ask the worship team to come. As they come, I just want you to start taking an attitude of prayer. We're going to close in this song. And as we close in this song... Um, I just want us to think about what's God saying? What's God saying to you today? We all coming? Where's Pastor Luke? There he is. All right. We, we close in a song of worship, but we also close in this opportunity of song to, for you to make a step. Our altars are open. If you need to come pray, come pray. Our, our elders are in the back room, and they would love to pray with you. Come to the altars. Come to the back room. I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to pray for us and we're going to sing. Father, we love you. We thank you that we are forgiven in Christ, that we are a new creation in Christ, that we are your children in Christ. And Father, I pray for anyone here today that might be struggling with any of those things so that you would, they could draw closer to you and understand their identity better. In Jesus' name, amen.